Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Please be seated. Both partook of honey. We know this from the scriptures and other writings. But besides this one commonality, what else did John the Baptist and Winnie the Pooh have in common? Their middle name. Your, your looks are more enjoyable than the joke, for sure. Today we celebrate the nativity, the birth of John the Baptist, the feast which falls on June 24th. This is a particularly wonderful feast for us for many reasons. One is that the former cathedral of our dear bishop is the cathedral of St. John the Baptist in St. John's, Newfoundland. St. John's itself was named for John the Baptist because John Cabot, who discovered Newfoundland, or at least the European discovery of Newfoundland, sailed into its bay on the feast of John the Baptist. Also, John the Baptist is the patron saint of our archdeaconry. And the saying, he, meaning Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease, is the motto of our New England archdeaconry. And so I wish you every blessing on this, the feast of St. John the Baptist. John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. In him, we see, in one sense, the fulfillment of those who were sent into the world to proclaim the coming of the promised one, Jesus Christ. And from the womb, John was fulfilling his ministry, his vocation of pointing beyond himself to Jesus. You may remember the story when Mary pregnant with our Lord, came to visit her kinswoman, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And when Mary greets Elizabeth, John the Baptist, we are told, leapt in the womb of Elizabeth with joy. Even from the womb, pointing to the coming of the Lord. According to sacred tradition, and this is not biblical, it's not something we must believe, but according to many in the ancient church, John the Baptist's ministry not only began in the womb, but it continues to this day in that John the Baptist is said to appear at the moment of death to those who have not heard the gospel to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that they may have an opportunity right before death, to accept Jesus. I have no idea if that's true, but it's a nice thought anyway. His vocation 
is to make ready the people for the coming of Jesus. Someone else also has that vocation. You. Your vocation is to prepare in the hearts of people, prepare for the coming of Jesus. It is not your job to make them accept Jesus, but it is your vocation to help prepare the way. We are to live out the ministry and vocation of John the Baptist in our everyday life. Jesus told us that a woman, no man born, was greater than John the Baptist, and yet he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. That means us. As great as John the Baptist was and is, we who live now on this side of the coming of the kingdom have a greater mission to prepare the way of the Lord. To prepare the way of the Lord. We are to fulfill this ministry. How are we to do this? Firstly, we must proclaim the good news of Jesus. To give, quote, quote, the knowledge of salvation unto God's people by the remission of their sins. This is how we must begin to fulfill the ministry of John the Baptist entrusted to us in this archdeaconry. We must prepare for the coming of the Lord in the hearts of people. Now, how we do that matters. Approach matters. It is not helpful to tell people, turn or burn. Or, have you accepted Jesus? No, but to pray for people. To walk across the room. To befriend people. And when they turn against you, to be willing to forgive and not to hold their sin against them. To be living examples of persons who either live according to God's word or repent when we fail to live according to God's word. But we must prepare. Secondly, like John the Baptist, we must trust in the Lord. We must trust in him even when we don't understand. If you remember in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered John, let it be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. In other words, John was willing to trust in the Lord even when he did not understand the ways of the Lord. Lord, I can't do this thing that you are asking me to do, for you are greater than I. I. 
I should be baptized by you. And then Jesus insists. John doesn't say, well, wait, Lord, you've got to explain this to me. I, I don't get it. Sit down for a couple of minutes, and, and I have to understand your plan before I consent, consent, to, consent to it. You know, kind of like, we'll sign this, right? And he said, well, I've got to read it first, right, before you sign. But that's not what John did. John's like I am with Christine. When she says sign something, I just sign it. That is, he trusts in the Lord even in the times when he does not understand God's ways. Do you trust the Lord even in those times when you do not understand his ways? Or do you say, well, Lord, I need to understand this first before I consent to thy will. And so, number one, we must prepare people for the coming of the Lord by praying for them, by loving them, by forgiving them, by seeking forgiveness, by walking across the room. Secondly, we must trust in the Lord even when we do not understand the ways of the Lord. In those two months that I was gone, many times I had to say, Lord, I don't understand this. I could be doing your ministry right now. Rather than hiding away and shaking, give me strength. Where are you? And over and over and over again, all I ever heard was, trust. So to trust the Lord. Next, like John the Baptist, we must know the Word of God. We must prepare for the coming of the Lord in the hearts of people. We must trust Him even when we don't understand, and we must know the Word of God. We know from Matthew 11, beginning at verse 2, it says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is he who takes no offense at me. Now, scholars are divided on why John did this. Some say John sent his disciples to ask Jesus these questions, not for his sake, because he was doubting, but for their sake, that by sending them, they may come to understand just who he is. Other scholars say, no, that in the time of his imprisonment, that the enemy came and began to instill doubt in him. And so he needed the reassurance from Jesus that he indeed is the promised one. Either way, the answer that Jesus gives is from the Bible. This is uh, a quote from the Old Testament. Jesus answers with the word of God, and John recognizes these words as the word of God. And so we, too, must know the word of God so that when we hear it, we can understand God's will for us in our life. So prepare for the coming of the Lord in the hearts of people. Trust the Lord even when you don't understand what the heck is going on. And three, 
Know the Word of God. Know the Word of God. And then lastly, my favorite line from John the Baptist. He, meaning Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. That is, in our entire life, in our hearts, our desires, our life, as we knew it apart from Christ, our hopes, even our dreams, anything that is not of the Lord must shrink, and the Lord must grow in our hearts. He must become bigger and bigger and bigger. And John chapter 3, beginning at verse 28, it reads, You yourselves bear, we, bear me witness, this is John speaking, that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You are not the Christ, but you are being sent before him into a world and into a culture and into a society that desperately needs him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, and the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now full. He must increase, but I must decrease. We must be so intimate with our Lord Jesus that we come to know the voice of the bridegroom. That And then our joy will be full. Because we will find joy not in the things of this world, but in him who came into the world, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, as he increases, we will decrease. I tried last week to preach a shorter sermon than what you were used to. I'm going to do the same today if you can pass the following test. Pass the test, sermon's done. What's the first way that we are to live out the ministry of John the Baptist in the world today? I can't. I must be deaf. I can't hear anyone. Right, walk across the room. I heard that. Thank you. Go and prepare for the coming of Jesus. Go and prepare people's hearts. That's, that's number one. What's the second way? Trust. Trust in the Lord. Even when you don't understand. That is so important. Trust in the Lord. What's the third way? Know His Word. Know His Word. Become familiar intimately with the Word of God. And what's the fourth thing? He must increase, and we must A plus, amen.